I jump in, I want to cover a couple of things, uh, up and coming things for the church. Next Sunday, um, you're going to get to hear from one of ours. Uh, we've got a couple in our church. I don't trust myself. Um, we got a couple in our church, a young couple in our church, who um, is about to leave everything, both jobs, family, and head to the mission field. And Melissa and I have been walking with them for several months through this, and they're going to get to tell their story next week. And I want the church family to hear that story and to, to kind of see how that all came about. And, um, I mean, they're literally leaving their jobs and everything. I mean, selling everything. There's nothing to come back to. And so you're going to get to hear a little bit about that next week and some other little mission stuff as well. Uh, I, I want you to hear about that. And then... Um, only a month away is Mother's Day. Mm, somebody needs to hear that in here, okay? <laughs> month away, okay? Uh, we're going to have Candy Gibbs. Uh, it's going to be here with us to bring a word that morning. Very special friend to Melissa and I. And we love Brian and Candy. Do a great work with Karenette. But she's coming that particular morning, Mother's Day, to give a charge, to give a word to moms. She's a Bushland mom. She's going to be a mom speaking to moms. And uh, that day at 9 o'clock, mom... You get breakfast all by yourself, no mouth to feed, no sausage to cut, no toast to butter, nothing. Over in the zone, just for moms, just for moms. So, Dad, you got to get them dressed and get them here, all right, and don't call, all right? If it doesn't match, it doesn't matter, okay? Just get them, get, get them clothed and get them here, amen? Um, the next week is Senior Sunday, May 15th. Uh, we'll honor the seniors that Sunday and then June, we've got Father's Day. We'll do the big spread of ribs and sausage and brisket again. And uh, <laughs> Paxson's already pumped. Uh, he's got a napkin in his pocket. Comes ready. All right. But that is uh, Father's Day weekend. So dads do a great job on Mother's Day. We'll reward you a month later on Father's Day. Put a rib in your mouth. You can't beat that. So, uh, and then at, I know this is kind of far out. I'm going to start a new series today. But, but, but coming after Labor Day, um, I'm going to begin a series called The God I Never Knew, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit moving forward in this series a little bit, but I'm going to take you much deeper after Labor Day. I'm probably going to take you where you've never been before, and so you've been warned, and if you don't have a seatbelt on your chair, install one between now and the fall, and buckle up, and it'll be a great ride, amen. So just moving forward, I wanted to give you those little words uh, this morning. Um, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. When I, I told you I have Cherokee background. My grandfather, pretty much three-quarter Cherokee. His mom, full Cherokee, lived in Pryor, Oklahoma. Every once in a while, we would journey up to northeast Oklahoma for Thanksgiving to be at Grandma Sadie's house. And uh, I loved it because Grandma Sadie, who had a sister down the street who had a pecan orchard, and she could make the best homemade, fresh pecan pie. It almost just, you didn't want turkey. You just bring out the pie. And so that particular Thanksgiving was going to be pretty cool because Grandma Sadie had bought some uh, trees from the Boy Scouts, apple trees. She was pumped about it. And they were just about ready uh, that particular summer, to bring their first bountiful harvest of apples, and she is going to make uh, apple pie. 
and I'm an apple pie kind of guy, all right? Pecan is my second, which would pretty much tell you that's going to be some kind of Thanksgiving for me. And so we get there, we meet, greet, it already smells great, we get ready, go through the little buffet, there's a whole crowd of people, it's always like 85 in that house also, and so uh, hot, and so we, we get all the food, and so I'm, I get to the end, and I see the pecan pie, and I come over here, and I'm like, peach cobbler, <laughs> what, a, what a letdown, <laughs> peach, peach cobbler? And I saw Grandma say, I said, hey, what happened to the apple pie? She says, those little boy scouts told me that was an apple tree, but it was a peach tree. <laughs> I didn't think boy scouts told a lie. Amen. But here's the deal. Simple truth. Simple fact. You can tell a tree by its fruit. Amen. True in the business of trees true for us as believers. The same principle is true for us as Christians. When we manifest the fruit of the Spirit, others see the Spirit at work in our lives and are drawn to the Lord. I want you to go quickly to Galatians chapter 2. It's not going to really be our text. We've got a lot of scripture. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. If you're sitting here today, you've been saved and born again. You've been crucified with Christ. Holy Spirit of God lives in you. We need to go to Galatians chapter 5 with me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Note that fruit is singular. It's singular. These are nine manifestations of the Spirit. Of what? Of the Spirit. See, we You get saved, and you know you have the fruit of the Spirit. But many believers say, I have the fruits of the Spirit. You don't have the fruits of the Spirit. You have the fruit of Spirit. It's not like going in the United and say, well, I'll take apples and peaches, bananas. There ain't no broccoli. We're going to do green. You you can't pick and choose. It's like, I'll take love. I'll take gentleness, I'll take self-control. No, no patience. Mm-mm, I ain't doing no patience. Nah, no patience. I'm not, that's not my personality. I, I just wasn't born that way. My daddy wasn't a per- patient person. His daddy wasn't a patient person. And Lord help you, I'm not a patient person. So, honey, if you marry me, you need to know I, I got a temper. I'm not going to change. Really? You got a temper, you're not going to change. Then why in the heck the cross? 
Why the cross? Because my Bible says that when Jesus died on that cross, he died for our sins. That means he's been crucified. So when I accept Christ as my Savior, I die to Jeff. I'm resurrected new by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that means when I died to Jeff, Jeff's personality died, his, his temper died, all that junk died. And I'm resurrected new in Christ to walk that new life. I can be patient. How? Because it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's one of the nine manifestations of the Spirit that lives inside of me. Now, that gift may not be easy for me, but it's attainable to me. It can be me. It can look like me and smell like me. You say, well, I, 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 I like Jeff, boy. Woo, I like Jeff. I like everything about Jeff. I want to be like Jeff. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're not drawn to Jeff. You think you are, but you're not. You're drawn to the Jesus in Jeff. And the more I die, the better I look. The more I live, the uglier I look. That's just the truth. That's just the fact, Jack. I mean, you are too. I promise you this, husbands. The more you die, the more beautiful you are to your wife. And wives, the more you die, the more gorgeous you are to your husband. Because when you're born again child of the king, and you're dead, and you've been crucified, and he lives in you, I'm going to tell you, Jesus is extremely attractive, and everybody wants to be near him. You'll love what you see in him. These are the nine manifestations of the one fruit demonstrates, demonstrating the spirit that is at work in us. I want you to see something. I am Jeff, yes. I'm the son of Donnie and Cinda Ponder. I'm the grandson of J.R. and Anna Mosier. Right? I married Melissa Ponder, which makes me her husband. We had two children, Brett and Natalie, which makes me a father and a dad. I am an uncle, and I'm also a cousin. And when Jeff does something, it affects all other areas. You see, when I, when, when I go out there and act like something I'm not, when I act in the flesh, I didn't just do, Jeff, I can't believe Jeff did that. Jeff the daddy did that. Jeff the husband did that. Jeff the grandson did that. Jeff the uncle did that. Jeff the cousin did that. And for many of you, Jeff, our pastor, did that. You see what I mean? So we, what, I want you to understand something, that that the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit that manifests itself in nine areas, just like you. You can have and be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God and be really, really good in all these nine areas when you understand that you can't bear the fruit. You can't bear the fruit. It's Him bearing the fruit through you. Note that the Spirit, note that they are the Spirit's fruit, not ours. We talked about that, okay? You will never, ever, ever, ever see a peach tree groaning and moaning to produce a peach. 
If you ever walk outside and you hear a noise, honey, what's that noise? That's our apple tree. What's it doing? It's groaning and moaning to pop a little apple out. As quickly as you can, call a real estate agent and sell that house. You got some weird trees, right? That is not the way it works. Net trees don't do that. A pecan tree doesn't do it. Apple tree doesn't do it. A peach tree doesn't do it. That is not the way it happens. The harder you try, the less you'll produce. It's not produced by effort. We are not called to try harder to make more fruit. Listen to me. Rather, we are to stay surrendered to the Spirit so He can produce His fruit in and through us. Listen to me. A word you don't hear much in church anymore is surrender. Don't hear it much. But my friends, all through Scripture is all about surrender. The Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was sweating blood, man, as he surrendered to the Father's will. And he said, not my will, but thy will be done. When you surrender, he can produce much fruit in you. As long as you're the king driving the train, you're not going to produce any fruit. You can try, you can put forth effort, but it doesn't happen that way. I want you to go to John's gospel. Go back to John chapter 15. John 15. John 15, let's begin in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can, a, can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not re remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Some branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If he remain in me... And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. To my Father's glory. You remain connected to the branch, to the vine, the branch will bear fruit. If you are whacked off from the vine, if you're kinked, that vine's kinked, you're not going to produce fruit. You may be an apple tree, but if that vine is kinked by any means, damaged or hurt, won't bear fruit. You've got to make sure that you are connected daily, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, being filled daily with the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is pumping through, your, through, pumping through that vine. So it produces them branches, and they produce great fruit. You can bear much fruit. If you're connected to the vine. If you're not connected to that vine, you're not going to bear any fruit. You're not. It can't happen by your effort. Going to church does not produce fruit. It can't help you produce fruit, but it doesn't supernaturally produce that. 
We begin the day with love. Here's a question. Why is it first on the list? You ever thought about that? Why is love first? I'm glad you asked. Go to John 13. Go back a little bit. John 13, 34. John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciple, a follower of me, if you love one another. Does it say, by your patience, all those will know that you're my disciple? By your patience. Doesn't say that. It says, by your love. By your love. Love translated here, agape, which refers to the unconditional acceptance, the commitment to put the other person first, regardless of circumstances and challenges. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It is amazing to me on this side of the cross how quick we forget, how quick we forget what we look like on that side. Listen to me, we have, we've been met with incredible love, incredible love, and we're so stingy on this side of the cross after we meet that love. Listen to me, Jesus said, let the fruit of love flow up from you. Let the fruit of love, unconditional love. They don't have to do anything, and you're going to love them. They don't have to look like you, smell like you, act like you, chew like you, dress like you, none of that. They could be totally the opposite of you, but you can love them. And I'm telling you right now, no time like this time in America is it hard. It is hard sometimes to look at people and love them. I mean, it is. It's just flat hard sometimes. But the only way you can love the unlovable is that the one that loved you when you were unlovable loves them through you. That's the only way. Because you can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even like them. So it's real hard to love them. But we're not called to like them. We're called to love them. I don't have to like them. But I have to love them. <coughs> You've heard it said, you can hate the sin, but love the sinner. That's what he did for us. That's what he did for us. Regardless of what they do, you choose to love them. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the challenges. To choose agape is to love other people regardless of how they treat you. It is to choose others best regardless of the cost to you. To love them as Jesus loved you. Go back to John 15, if you will. Look at verses 12 through 17. John 12, I mean John 15, 12 through 17. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for a friend. You are my friend if you do what I command. I no longer call you servant 
because a servant doesn't know the master's business. Instead, I call you friend. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. We can love because he first loved us. We can't love unless he loves through us. I mean, there is no way you could tell me that I love everybody. It's hard to love everybody, but you can love them past their sin, past their circumstances, past what they do to you, past everything. You can love them. I'm going to tell you, there's a growing number of people in America today that are hard to love. Okay, then? I mean, there's a growing number of people in America today that's hard to love. It takes a whole lot of Jesus today to love them. You can do that is if you stay connected and you stay in step with that Holy Spirit. That's a spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit that lives in you. That spirit, number one, is love. That you will know that you're my disciple if you love one another. <coughs> in Southern California, they have buildings that have to survive earthquakes. We don't know a lot about that out here. To do that costs a tremendous amount of money to bolt foundations feet after feet into rock. They go feet after feet into these rocks so that when earthquakes happen, these houses do not slide off their foundations. The foundation for our relationship with God and others is love. His love for us and our love for each other. I want you to go to 1 John. I'm going to wrap this up. 1 John is called the love chapter, especially chapter 4. Go to 1 John chapter 4. Kind of lengthy, but I want you to hear it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. And knows God. Whoever does not know God, because God is love. This is how we show his love among us. He sent the one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that he loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as a tony sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. <clears throat> and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God is in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment because the world, we are like him. There is no fear in love because love drives out fear. Because fear, 
fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Anyone who says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has seen. And he has given us a command. Whoever loves God must love his brother. Church, Christians, as we move forward in this world, it is going to be absolutely paramount that we that call ourselves the church learn to love the unlovable. We've got to put ourselves down. We've got to crucify ourselves. We've got to put ourselves second and put others first. And I'm telling you, it's the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. You can love those people. You can. And can I say something? You can love yourself. There's somebody in here that just needs to hear that part. Because the reason you can't love others is because you don't love yourself. You, you don't. You don't like yourself. And if you're ever going to love other people, you've got to learn to love yourself. And you've got to learn to love people, regardless of circumstances, regardless of situations, regardless of what they did to you. You say, well, I can't love them because of what they did to me. Yes, you can. You can. Now, you did say true. You can't love them. But when you die to self, Jesus resurrects himself in you and loves, you, loves them through you. So it's not really you doing it. It's Jesus doing it through you. So technically, you're right and he's right. You can continue to have your pride say, I can't love them. And Jesus is like, yes, that's me loving them through you. <laughs> so listen to me. It's hard to love people that hurts you. It's hard to love people that have done things to you. It's hard to love the unlovable. It's hard to love people that totally go against the word of God, lifestyle against the word of God. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus can do it, and you can do it too. Let me ask you a question. <coughs> I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes this morning. Close your eyes, bow your heads. I simply want to ask you one simple question. And then we're going to pray and go to invitation. What did the Holy Spirit, what did the Holy Spirit say to you through this message this morning? What did the Holy Spirit say to you through this message this morning? <coughs> and realize I didn't say the person next to you. I didn't say, what did he say to your spouse, to your children? What did he say to you? Father, this morning, we're going to stand in just a second for a time of invitation. It's our invitation from you, the good, good Father, to respond to what you said through your Holy Spirit to each of us. Father, on the other side of obedience is always blessing. My prayer this morning is that we bless ourselves by being obedient. Father, if we're having a tough time loving somebody, <coughs> maybe that person that we're having a hard time loving is in our house today. 
maybe by chance we're married to him. God, I pray that we don't leave this place till we set ourselves free. God, it may be tough for us to love people, but it's not tough for you to love people. So, Father, I pray that we would break the spirit of pride in our lives and humble ourselves and surrender and say, God, I know I have that fruit of spirit in me called love, and I need you to love them through me. I can't right now. I'm not in that place, but I need to love them. And so, Father, this morning, somebody, some bodies in here need to let some people go to love people. God, maybe there's a family here this morning looking for a church home. Pray you'd send them here this morning. Maybe we're here this morning. We need prayer. God, we need somebody to agree with us in prayer on something. This invitation is for that. So, Father, as we stand, don't let our legs stay in the same spot if you don't want us to. God, that we'd be obedient to your spirit. For this is my prayer in your name. Amen.